Hello, and welcome to Pianotech Radio Hour, the weekly bridge to the future of the Pianotech community. I'm David Anderson. And I'm Ethan Janney. And we're here to ask great questions, and then we'll shut up and listen to some of the authorities, experts, and most outstanding personalities in our little world of pianos. So, put on your best set of headphones, and let's get started. So welcome, everyone. Welcome to the meeting. It's... I see Raymond. Raymond's over there. Raymond Cugnolio over there in South Africa. Wow. <laughs> it's probably... What time is it there? What time is it in South Africa? Like eight hours ahead, something like that? So tell us, Raymond, what time is it? You can say. I, 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 turn, I turn on your mic. Uh, it's eight o'clock in the evening. Eight o'clock in the evening. Wow. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Seven, yeah, nine hours. How you doing, brother? Are you talking to me or are you talking to Raymond? <laughs> you talking to me? No, I'm talking to Raymond. <laughs> hey, we're good. We're good. Ah, good. I don't know. Okay. No, I can nice. hear you. Yeah. I thought I'd just check in with you because I saw you. We'll mute you again. You're now you're now a muted uh, yes. <laughs> muted participant. <laughs> All right. Oh, and actually, uh, I'll make sure that people cannot unmute themselves. Um, can you guys can can Sarah or Patrick or Daniel do take care of that? It's one of the options for participants. Okay, I fixed that. All, All right. right, David, what do you think? Should we get started with this? Get a, yeah, get a yeah. Welcome, everybody. All these insane creatures from all over the world. Jeez. Humans are insane creatures. And that's, uh, you know, we're doing this because we're making a podcast. And I'm assuming that some people that tune into our podcast, oh, that seems interesting don't know what anything about us what we're doing whether we're bozos or not so i just i felt like it was really good to just let you folks know and other folks that'll come upon us kind of where we've been for the last for our, for our time in this insane world of music and pianos so uh i'm going to turn it back over to ethan and let him do his beautiful, you know, uh, 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 version of an introduction. And then I'll tell you a little bit about what's coming up and then we'll get right into it. Sounds great. Actually, Pat, we're going to throw it over to Pat, Mr. Pat Carr, who's going to give us the, uh, who's going to give us the sponsor for our, our wonderful event. Okay. This event is being brought to you by Piano Technicians Masterclasses an online educational research that offers you cutting edge instruction from piano industry masters without leaving your home. Find out more at www.pianotechniciansmasterclass slash PTM 2020. Thank you very much, Pat. Awesome. I love how it actually sounds like a radio hour at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was completely digging that. That, was, that was my first, when he first read it before we went on the air, I was like, yeah. Radio sounds, sounds like my little brother's radio show. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much for that, Pat. Um, uh, we're going to start this episode off actually by giving us a little bit of a, a preview of what's to come. Um, I'm going to ask, I'll start by asking David some questions after, after he gives you a preview, but he, he's excited to tell you about what's coming up next week and the week after that on Piano Technicians Masterclass. So David, why don't you tell them who, who we're bringing on board? All right, next week, there's gonna be a, 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 a duo, a dynamic duo from out here in Southern California. Um, Mr. Alan Edder, who has been the head of piano services at Cal Arts, which is one of the most progressive and legendary uh, music and art schools in the country, maybe the world, I don't know. Cal Arts in uh, Valencia, California. He's been there for 30 years. He's spun off many, many, many apprentices that have become beautiful 
awesome piano technicians. Um, he's an incredible piano technician. He's a high-end piano technician. He's He's also a, a, a deeply passionate about the history of piano. And I don't know if you've ever been to a national conference, but he's done his, you know, and it's the most entertaining class I've probably ever been to. So, and he has been the piano technician and the concert and recording technician for Danny Holt, who is a, in LA, at least, he's a famous piano artist and composer. And he was Alan's apprentice at Cal Arts for a year and a half, two years. And so he knows way more about the interior of a piano and the nomenclature that, than most concert pianists do. He's had, he's been an epic piano acquirer and then trading that piano for another. And they're, they're gonna go through quickly seven or eight pianos he's used since, since his childhood. And these two men have an incredible look into our modern piano world. The way the world is, musicians are, the industry is now, and they're gonna be completely open to questions. So that's next week. The week after that, we're gonna have I, I believe is certainly one of the most top five commercially and ethically successful piano technicians in the world. He makes tons of money. He's got great accounts, uh, both private and institutional, tons of studios. And, um, and he's been in LA for almost 40 years and he's just a beloved figure. He's a great piano technician. He's the chief imagineer for Rayburn Cybertuner. He's a brilliant guy, an incredible raconteur. He tells fabulous stories and he's got tons of stories. So he's gonna be the week after that. And then we're looking at a bunch of other people. We'd, we'd like to get some fluent English speakers from places other than the United States. We're looking at, we're really looking at programming this so that you people, you, my brothers and sisters from all over who are piano nerds and passionate about this world of music and this world of uh, acoustic pianos, especially good high-end acoustic pianos uh, or just good, good pianos um, can, can really benefit by this, can, can learn because if you're not learning, you're sleeping. And that's the way it is for me. Every day I go out, every day I, I, I talk about pianos, talk to other people about pianos. It's just a constant learning experience. So we are here to facilitate that. Mr. Janney. Very true, very well said. Yeah, so we're looking forward to those, uh, those people coming on and we're gonna have a lot of fun and we're gonna learn a lot. And, um, and like David said, another preview about what's coming up uh, we're recording these, you know, it's sort of like a podcast. We're actually going to make an official podcast out of the show um, so that you'll be able to listen to edited versions, audio versions of these, you know, when you're driving around you're tuning and, or when you're, you know, doing some shop work or something like that. So look out for that coming up. We'll start um, releasing podcast episodes soon for your favorite, favorite podcast player app. So I'd like to launch this conversation. This conversation today is, I, you know, it was David's idea to interview each other um, about our, our experience in the piano industry and uh, thought it was a wonderful way to help you get to know each of us. And I've talked to David a little bit about his history. And actually one of the bonuses in, in the Piano Technician's Masterclass Library is a, a full interview that I did with David just about him and his history as a piano technician. So I, I know a little bit about that. Um, and this sort of has to do with piano technology, but I, I love the story of how, of you just coming to California and, uh, and being a young musician and sort of trying to make your way. So can you just tell everybody, you know, how you got, how you made your way to California and why you, why you came and. Sure. I was a uh, full-time touring rock and roll musician until 
until uh, like 74, uh, pretty much, uh, in and out of the record business. I was still had a gift. I was a good singer, good songwriter, good, good drummer, pretty good player. And, um, <clears throat> you know, and I didn't want so my home base was Atlanta at that I, I tried to figure what I could do where I could still play but just not be on the road and I'd always said, oh, I can be a piano technician Jeez. and so in 1975, pretty much. And then um, I kept doing music and I, and I wrote some tunes and I sent them to some people in California and they got excited about them. And in the end of 1980, uh, like last week in December, first week in January, uh, 81, I moved to California. I was a single parent. I had my daughter with me. Uh, she was five at the time. And I, uh, wound up two and a half months later, sitting in the Beverly Hills bungalow of a man by the name of Clive Davis, who was literally a legend in the piano business, had first recorded Janis Joplin, big, uh, the, the uh, big brother in the holding <laughs> company, Bob Dylan, Peter, Paul and Mary. He, he gave those people record deals and a lot others, legendary cat. And uh, he had her, somehow heard a song of mine and had said, well, I'll you know, hear what the kid has. So me, imagine me as a dorky 29 year old dressed in fairly dorky clothes at that point, walking into the bungalow, this music mega icon with my acoustic guitar and he said, ah, play me some songs. So play me the one I liked. And so played him this song I wrote called Someone and he flipped out. He said, that's a hit. That's a legitimate hit. Play me a couple more. So I played him, I think four songs. And he said, well, that's good. Three of those are possible singles. Let's make records. And so that was my introduction to California. And I was working uh, full time to part time, very flexible at a old line family owned piano store because I could tune pianos pretty well at that time even. That is the story of how I came to California. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like a very exciting time. Yeah. I could I could I could I I I I like I envy that that kind of fun fun situation that you're in there. Um so in terms of it was it was yeah, go ahead. In terms of fast forwarding to to the past, say 10, 15, 20 years, um, you know, you started out as a piano technician and and you know, you're running around tuning pianos like, but like very, very street. Very street. Uh-huh. Yeah, very street. I had no real formal training. I had a mentor who mm -hmm. was a great tuner and an okay regulator and voicer. Then I moved on and on and on. I just, I just failed upwards. I made a lot of mistakes. Thank you for sharing that. As you are, are you always so humble to, to share. Um, as as I think is, I've, I've heard. You know, in, in our, um, in our reviews, because we get feedback from people after these events. Definitely in events where, you know, you and, um, you and Dale right? And Arlen did the event together. And all three of you kind of said, hey, you know what, we're making lots of mistakes. That's how we got where we are. You got to get your hands dirty, that kind of stuff. Um, and I got feedback from people. It was just so val valuable to hear that, that it's almost like, a, it's almost like a, an essential tool of someone that wants to become great, is that they're going to be willing to make all these mistakes along the way. And people, I think, were very, uh, it was very refreshing to a lot of people yeah. to hear that. So thank you for sharing that. Well, um, I think my class, yeah, go ahead. So 
I think what uh, what I wanted to jump to, which I think is an also, also an interesting topic, is uh, is how you shifted in recent, relatively recent years, to becoming uh, like a boutique piano restorer. And what was your, you know, what was your inspiration, or or how did that transition happen? What was that time like in your life? That's a, that's a great question. So I was working as a, a as a piano technician, basically working on Steinways to prepare in the warehouse of Sherman Clay, which was the big, biggest Steinway dealer in the maybe the world. They had like 40 stores all over California and Washington, Oregon, Arizona, and Texas. And I prepared Steinways either in the stores locally or in the warehouse to ship other places. And I supervised uh, a crew and sometimes worked on them on Steinway, uh, Sherman Clay stencil pianos that were made in Korea. Difficult. <laughs> a lot of warranty work. And so, I'm sorry, I lost the track. What was the question? How did I get into yeah. the, the upper end? Yeah. So and also just specifically, specifically, in 80s. specifically getting into doing the restoration work that you're into these days. Yeah. Ah, got it. So I was there. I was by 87, 88, Sherman Clay had shifted their whole management thing. So I was kind of out of it by then. But I thought I was, you know, I'd worked on thousands of Steinways since 1982 or 1983. And I thought I was pretty good. And the new Steinways were pretty good. You know, I wasn't. So anyway, I walked into a store and played and looked at a piano that had been restored by Richard Davenport, who was kind of like this overwhelming presence in LA that I had, I, I think I'd met him once, who was kind of like the conscious of all, the consciousness of all, or the conscience rather, of all piano tuners, uh, high-end aspirants in, you know, he was a, he was, he was an amazing piano technician and rebuilder. And he only has ever done like one piano a year. So he had done this piano, Steinway B, for a client and the client put it into a store on consignment. And so I walked in and said, oh, it's Steinway, cool. And I sat down and played it and it was almost like I had taken a huge hit of LSD at that moment. It was <laughs> epiphanic. It was, are you kidding me? This piano sounded and felt an order of magnitude better, literally, than a new Steinway. It was beyond what I ever had put my hands on before. And that was the great, that, that really was the great, like, oh my God, I am so arrogant. I am thinking that I am, that I know what, uh, you know, piano restoration is or piano repair or whatever. This is a whole other layer, level. Right. And that started my journey. I got a I got an apprentice in 89 and he was operat before he was a piano technician and he got completely into it, joined the guild, <coughs> became mentored by Richard Davenport, Del Fan, all these and, and Daryl Fandrick, all these incredible Dale Earl, all these incredible restorers, and just we just leaped into it. And um I love to play a vintage Steinway that has been restored in an artisan way. And now, thank God, there's big handfuls in this country of artisan restorers, artisan builders that can really take a piano that's completely thrashed and make it into something beautiful, really beautiful. So I'm really grateful. I came into that. And then in 2005, I decided, why, why shouldn't I be selling these pianos? Jeez. So for the last 15 years, I've had a little pod of boutique pianos. Uh, before the recession, <laughs> uh, I mostly owned them. After the recession, they're mostly consignment. 
Um, so that's where I am now. And I sell a handful a year, literally five, six. And it's just one stream of the income of David Anderson Pianos, but it's, I'm so grateful to not have to deal with the, with, with the, with the other part of the piano, the, the, the lower ends of the piano business, because this is what I love. I love picking on good grand pianos and tricking them out. And, and, uh, and that's my edge on, on everybody else. I can make the piano sound better than, a, you know, much lower per hour uh, human being can. So that's my story. That's Stick great. To you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think that just yes. what I, what's coming to me immediately as you're, as you're talking about it is um, just having, having people to inspire you. You know, it's not just having the, the piano inspired you um, that you played, but searching for the mentors, yeah. searching for the folks that, that you can use as your guide in your path. You're going to make your own path, but it's going to be like a combination of these people that you're, you're networking with and learning from and integrating with, right? hundred, hundred percent, hundred percent. I spent three weeks at the Steinway factory in, I don't know, 84, 83 with Bill Garlick, one of the, another life-changing, completely spot weld kind of moment in time. I learned so much. So I think all of our paths are partly just on the job training, you know, and that's where it's really important to not be afraid to fail. If you do it in the appropriate way, look, you go failure rate. But if your attitude, your internal atmosphere is ready for that and really understands you need that. Need best when there's a challenge. So I, I, I was terrified. And then I will self talk based by a quote, based on a quote failure. It's my little sister is a very successful business strategist, coach, author. And she wrote a little book called Be Bad First, because this thing of fear of failure and terror of failure, and oh my God, is just rampant among human beings. So she wrote a book like, you're gonna be bad at first. First time you try to regulate a set of dampers, unless you're some kind of weird, got some kind of damper superpower, you're, gonna, you're not gonna be that good. Same thing with everything, same thing with tuning a piano, same thing with being in a relationship, same thing with anything, man. You are not gonna be good. If you don't have any training or fundamentals, you're not gonna be good. And even then you're not gonna be good because doing is different than thinking. On the, piggyback, on the piggyback of that last question um, about mentors or the comment about mentors and finding the right people and, uh, and what you're talking about, about finding, you know, mistakes or finding opportunities to make mistakes. I think one of the topics that that overlaps with me is that you're learning from those mentors and you're learning like what mistakes are okay to make and what mistakes should you, yeah, don't make that mistake. Okay. Um, is there, you talked a little bit about on the job training and going to Steinway. And so I think a lot of people might think, okay, you know, I want to get in the room with a mentor. And I think that's very a very beautiful thing to be able to do. But I'm also curious because we're talking about my path as well and, and what I'm trying to bring to people. And I know that you're very supportive of Piano Technicians Masterclasses as a, as a digital option for people to find mentorship and work with people. How do you see that, like the, the new edutech in piano industry integrating into what we've previously had? What are the advantages you see? What a great question. Because I'm looking into seriously creating an online 
piano technicians, whatever, oasis, sanctuary, workshop, graduate school, where this stuff can really be a reality. That, that piano technicians, that we can translate it and, and, and at least, and there's an insane hunger several places uh, but we're coming into a completely different time and space and these these online realms are going to get better and better and better and better and this is the this is the future i believe so it's a tremendous opportunity. i don't think i think if you come to a class with me or look at my, or all these other insanely gifted piano technicians, Sally Phillips, Ken Eschete, on Piano Technicians Masterclass, man, you can glean so much. If you come to classes with people that really know what they're talking about and are really good teachers and presenters, transmitters, same, same you can have the same experience. The most intimate, the most vulnerable, the most honest experience you can have is with another human being, somebody who's really become good at this and knows both that they don't know a damn thing and that they know quite a bit. It's a paradox that we all have to kind of try to figure out. I'm good. And man, I'm like an apprentice every day. So. I think I think the future's uh, tremendously rosy for high-end piano technicians, for piano technicians that do incredible work, the best practices, no matter what their practice looks like. But the caveat is, I think the practice in ten years, maybe certainly in twenty years, will be a lot of the high end. It will be more and more better and better acoustic pianos will be the, the demographic, the market for us. So uh, David, I'm getting a little so, bit of feedback that, that your reception's not great. And I think that there, we might try pausing. If you go to that, if you go to that um, the webpage with the Zencaster link and just go ahead and close yeah. it, that might be affecting your stream, we'll see. And if, if that's not it, we'll yeah. maybe pause your video. Yeah, just bear with us, folks, for a second. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm uh, uh, Zencaster, and what do I do? Press uh, the red button. You know what? I'll just kick your. I'll kick you off. I think I've got that option. All right. And you can also just X out that tab on your on your browser. See All if right. that helps. All right. And if that doesn't work, we'll just. Uh, we might. We might uh, we might have to pause your video and then your audio should come through much better. All right, is that okay? It's, it's okay right now. We'll better? see how it goes. Cool. Yeah, I think it is a little bit better. All right, so let's flip this around. Let's talk about you for a little while and then we'll, we'll take questions. Hopefully everybody's, if, if not, please, say nah it's no better or it's this and if it's no better then I'll, I will stop my video and maybe the audio will get a little bit, bit better okay so is it good can I can you hear me yeah I think we should stop your video I'm not okay. sure uh, there might be someone in your house watching Netflix. I don't know. <laughs> no, there's nobody in my house. Okay. <laughs> okay. And must just I'm be on, something. I'm on absolutely the right network. Okay. Cool. I checked that before. I'm on the right network, full, full, full strength. Okay. So, you're what we call a polymath. You have many passions and many interests. You've got college degrees in various. Uh, 
shocking and groovy fields. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Just how you came to, to being fascinated by pianos and piano technology? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, to sidestep the polymath question a little bit. Well, actually, no, I think, I think I could lead into it in an interesting way. So when I got out of, out of high school, I had, was forced with a decision about what I wanted to study in university. And I was in a band of folks that all had decided pretty much to go to school for music. And I kind of thought, oh, I, I can't do that. I got to do something, you know, quote unquote practical. So I went um, and for a year I was uh, studying physics at, uh, at a local university outside of Chicago. And the thing that, that was very interesting about that time is I just got so obsessed with the piano and playing during that time. I would literally uh, break into the practice rooms at night to be there to practice all night. I would fall asleep on the piano bench um, playing piano, just obsessed with the fact that I would hear Herbie Hancock playing music and think, how does he do it? Like, I, I, how the heck does he do that? And how could I possibly do that as well? So at that point, I decided I, I actually going to have to go to music school. And I went to music school and studied actually alongside uh, some of my friends who are already at Rutgers University, which has a, a great music school called Mason Gross School of the Arts. And um, at that time, while I was at school, I started to learn about piano technology from the, a great mentor I had there. His name was Dave Miller, and he was in charge of the pianos at the university. And as I graduated school, it became a great way in which I could, you know, earn some extra income. And, uh, and I, at a certain point realized, you know what, this isn't just for money. Like if, if I want to, if I want to keep doing this, I actually have to be, have a passion for it. And I developed my passion for it. It was something where I, I, I developed the instinct to just always want to know the best, you know, and be the best and care for every single piano. And it's not just a job, you know, it, it's, it's serving other people. And I think once I got into it on that level, that's the level where I really identify with, with you, David, of that kind of thing where you visit any piano you visit, you know, you just, uh, you just want to deliver the best you can. Not to say that you are the best, but just to push whatever your current limit is and, and do the best at it. And because I did have other interests besides piano, that was something that, to be honest, I struggled with a little bit because I didn't always have the time or the, um, the, the resources to be able to be with the folks that could give me the best information. And I was almost determined to still be able to, to do that. Um, despite my other interests, I, like you mentioned, I was working on a PhD in, in neuroscience at, at a certain point. And so this kind of idea, like piano technicians masterclass, being able to take advantage of technology like we're doing right now to say, hey, there, there doesn't have to be any boundary. There doesn't have to be any barrier to anybody on the world with any resource to be the best that they can at piano technology if they want to, to connect with really good um, piano technicians and you know, to learn what they need to learn to, to please customers and feel happy about themselves and feel fulfilled. So I mixed in a little bit of answering how I got into music and piano tech and threw in a couple other things I'm into. I hope that answered your question. Any follow-ups or any other questions from other people? I'm asking uh, David to unmute himself. Yes. Uh, so I saw a question before somebody wanted to know what my, one of my most epic fails was. <laughs> I've got a shipping container. I don't have a closet full of skeletons. I've got a shipping container full of skeletons. Probably the most epic was uh, at a point where I just really figured out how to voice pianos to this insanely beautiful golden tone, maybe 20 years ago or 25 years ago. And um, uh, I was playing for this pretty big, I mean, I was tuning a piano for this, like more than a house concert, like a small auditorium concert with a pretty serious and famous classical player. And it was a, there was a, a Humber D, I think, or an American D. I can't remember which. And 
uh, I voiced it before the concert. And the artist had said, oh yeah, just touch up a little bit of the attack things. And I somehow didn't listen to that and just thought, oh, I wanna hear that golden tone. And I, I, I went overboard in needle stitches, uh, very cl close to the strike point on the piano. And she came in, oh, oh my God, it's, it's really well in tune. She played a couple of things, oh, it's really well in tune. And then she started playing it and she looked up and her gaze turned from like happy anticipation to deadly razors and steel. And she looked up and, at me and she said, you killed this piano. Oh no. And walked away. And so I got out my heart, my, the quickest hardeners I had and sandpaper. And she, at a certain point, she sat back down, played the piano, said, okay, that's fine. You can go. And, you know, completely lost the client, felt like just an idiot for a long time after that. But it learned maybe the greatest lesson, taught me maybe the greatest lesson I ever learned, which is don't change stuff right before God's ever, ever. If you have to pretend to change stuff, unless it's like an aftertouch or a teeny bit of, you know, taking off the high partials, just a you know, teeny bit. Uh, don't ever make any kind of, you know, what the what the player can perceive as a major change. That and that's that failure taught me something that I've practiced deeply conservative, sneak up on these things, right? That's a great story. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. So you were, you were trained. You had some fundamental training, correct? Yeah, my journey has been one that has required a lot of uh, alternative methodologies for learning. Um, so, you know, when I, when I trained with Dave Miller at uh, – at Rutgers University, where I was studying, um, it was uh, when I first visited him, and I said, "Hey, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a student here. Maybe I could be your your apprentice and uh, and learn, and maybe get a little credit for it." He said, "I'm sorry, I can't do that. Um, I uh, I had a guy do that with me like a couple of years ago, and it didn't work out. He actually ran off with some of my tools, so no thanks, you know." And uh, Luckily, you know, I was persistent and continued to be interested in, in speaking with him. And he connected me with a local PTG chapter in my hometown of Chicago. So during the summertime, I went home and I got connected people with like uh, with people like Dave Carpenter, um, who invented the Veratuner. And he hung out with me a little bit to try to show me some things. And uh, and I practiced a lot on my own. And Dave would let me practice at the university on the practice rooms. Uh, practice on the pianos and he would come in and he'd give me little tweaks uh, about my tuning techniques and um, it's funny because I was it was at a point where I was not feeling confident about tuning pianos and my mother was still hiring people to tune our piano at home and I said hey why don't you get this Dave Carpenter guy to come over here I met him he's he's really good and uh, it was a little boost of confidence he came over and he said you know I so I had actually tuned the piano but I wanted somebody else to kind of tweak it after me and Dave came in and he checked the piano over and he said you know is Ethan here my mom said no he said well tell him you know I'm not going to tune this piano because it looks like he did a pretty great job so you know that's when I started to first have some confidence about what I was doing and um, and then I got more on the job training when I worked for a piano dealership after I graduated college in New Jersey called um, East Coast Piano I was teaching piano lessons there and tuning pianos for them on the showroom floor and in the field for them. It was actually a nice gig because I could, I could teach these lessons and whenever I had a break in between them, I just go out on the showroom, make a little cash and get some practice tuning in between. Um, 
And probably one of the most valuable trainings I, I received was years later when I connected with, um, when I connected with Ken Eshte at Northwestern University. And I contacted him and I, I met him and Bill Schwartz who worked there and convinced them to let me hang out and traded uh, with them for training. So I would tune a few pianos in a day and then I get to hang out with them with their daily tasks or in their workshop where they were rebuilding pianos and learn some things there. So, um, you know, I never, I didn't go to North Bennett Street. Uh, I didn't study, you know, the Steinway courses or anything like that. But um, it's been, for me, it's been, you know, find every possible method I can to to fit in the education um, through mentorship and, and other means. That's been a lot of my history as piano technician. And you're muted again, David. So I would just love to, now, now you have, just to wrap up this portion, I really want anybody that has any questions for either one of us, I want them to ask it. Now is the time. Do not be shy. Um, you have a company now that you operate from Chicago in New York called Floating Piano Factory. And before the current situation, let's say, you were rocking and rolling. Yeah, yeah. Things, things, uh, you know, I started P Floating Piano Factory as um, a way to continue serving the clientele I had built in New York City while I was doing my PhD. And so a few friends uh, expressed interest in becoming piano technicians. And since I had to, you know, to navigate my own journey at becoming a piano technician, I took them on, um, taught them the ropes and built a business that basically um, set up a system where when they were less experienced, we could have clients benefit from them learning on the job um, for a lower cost, but still have someone responsible for their work that could come up and follow up if there are any issues. And um, that turned into, you know, it was just, we said, I'll, I'll, let's try this idea. Like it might be interesting. And it actually um, turned out to be pretty popular. And wow. a few years later, we got an article written about us in the Wall Street Journal, as a matter of fact. So wow. um, it's, uh, it's been an interesting project. Uh, for me, it's always been a mix of, uh, of, you know, work and, and money, but also just kind of, I, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the concept of, of mentorship and training. And uh, it's a bit of a creative and, and personal project for me to continue with floating piano factory. So that, that's cool. that project. And just to be clear, it's taking really passionate piano technology students and allowing them to advance in their craft and allowing their pay scale to advance as their craft advances, correct? Exactly, exactly. So actually Sarah, who's on the call right now, um, she's been reaching out to me over the past few months and, you know, hey, I'm interested in getting into piano technology, you know, what do you think? Can I be a part of the team? And um, she's a killer jazz saxophone player, but she actually has zero experience with the piano tuning hammer. So, um, but she was persistent and she kept reaching out. And so, you know, we worked out a system where she's going to help out with some things for a few months. Um, I'll teach her the basics and then we're going to start putting her out in the field and, and she can start to learn the basics out there. And then we have a graduated pricing scale. And uh, yeah, so that that's, that's exactly the situation that's going on as we speak, but also we've been, we attract experienced people as well. Like Pat, who's also on the call here, Pat Carr, he came from um, Berkeley uh, university where they, you know, the music school, where he worked with the staff of piano te technicians there for several years. He's actually already an RPT. And so we just uh, have found ways to take people like that and just kind of fit them up higher in the hierarchy of the, of the system. So I, I just, uh, if, if uh, people can just indicate real quickly in the chat room, whether they're getting me better now, whether they can hear me now. Are I think you so. That? Well, Tanya, my, my wife went into the, mega server in the kitchen and just fiddled around with it. So maybe it's a little bit better now. Um, so now is the time. So I see a question here from Caleb Clark. Um, he says, is there an association or connection between the Piano Technician Academy 
with Michael Stilwell uh, and myself at Piano Technicians Masterclasses. No, there's no connection between those two projects. Um, I can say I have talked with Michael um, about just piano education. And uh, I think uh, I, I can't speak for him directly, but I think we're both kind of just happy to see uh, multiple people working on, on advancing edutech in the piano industry. And um, I, I do believe that the one of the key differentiators between our two projects is Michael's is uh, started with, you know, we'll take you from nothing to learning the basics of, of piano tech, right. um, kind of the next level of a Randy Potter type thing, but bringing technology into that. Um, they have moved into some more advanced classes, I believe. They have a course on piano moving, which, you know, could be inter of interest to folks. Um, piano technicians masterclass from the very start, I said, let's attract people who actually already know the basics and, and maybe even already know the intermediate level, but they really want to be at the top of their craft. Exactly and, right. Yeah. And let's connect them with um, the best, you know, the best in the world. And so with Michael, you know, he's the teacher. He hired a few uh, local friends and things like that, I'm sure, just to do instruction. Now he's moved on to hiring other folks, I think, as well, that are already in the industry. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm proud of my skills, but I'm also, I'm also more interested in finding the people that have really established reputations and are also not just good at what they do, but good at teaching. Cause that's not always the case that, that people are good at both. Um, so, and then there's another key factor that's different about piano technicians masterclasses is, is we're really striving to do the live interactive education, um, not just recorded content so that you can get on a call um, similar to what we're doing with the Zoom call here. But what we've done is much higher quality, right? We'll get a camera crew uh, live streaming with a higher, higher quality streaming service. And, you know, you can see up close and personal, you know, David Anderson's voicing techniques. You can see the needle go into the hammer. It's, it's a way different quality than you might've seen in, on a Zoom call a few weeks ago. And not only do we bring that quality, we also bring the audio quality in addition to the video quality, which again, you'll see you won't get on a Zoom call. Um, but we, uh, we bring the audio quality and the interactivity uh, because I think that you can record lectures beforehand uh, but you don't know what the questions are that people are going to ask. And so why not right there on the spot have people go, hey, could you show that again? Or I was wondering, you know, what does this look like? Or could you do this or that? And so basically, instead of having recorded content like a, like a Piano Technician Academy, you get to act, you get to interact with these, these instructors and have the potential to, to build a relationship as well, which I think is a, a nice feature. Those are the exactly. main differences. Absolutely. Uh I've had insanely great experiences doing a two and a half hour class then a three hour class with Piano Technicians Masterclass. And that, there's a big gaping hole that, that Ethan's trying to fill and I think that's fabulous. And there's room, I mean, my God, nobody, no piano technicians organization in the world is filling this hole right now. So I've got all kinds of ideas of how to, how to how to how to move that down the road uh, while I'm still able to do it, and uh, hopefully you'll see the results of of that collaboration with a handful of people that that feel strongly about this. Okay, other questions. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and unmute uh, someone named Douglas Gregg who's raised his hand. Let's see if he has something interesting to say. Douglas. Oh, Doug Gregg. Hey, man. Hi. How are you doing? Hey, dude. Um, my video is not on, but I had a question. Uh, when you approach a piano, yep. a pianist that's uh, obviously not in about to start a concert, but in, with their home piano, and yep. you recognize that their piano needs voicing, uh, how do you convince them about what you can do for them? Because if you start voicing, you're really committed. So, what's your, uh, show, what's your approach? Show and tell. Show and tell with one, one note, and do it with techniques that you can that you can reverse if you know how. 
Um, I have two surefire top of the hammer close to the strike point, in one case under the strike point, uh, voicing protocols that you can apply in 60 seconds and then hear a radical positive difference in the, in the P, triple P to mezzo forte tone of the hammer. And if it's too mellow, you just put your thumb on the string, if you don't have oils on your hands, and just smack the hell out of the string with a hammer about 20 times, and it's, it's kind of back where it was or close to it. But that's the way to do it. Oh, wow, that's way better. Let them hear it. Let them hear you mask some of the high partials. I just on one note, you know. And, and they'll, they'll get the idea on one note. Uh, I, 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 it's never failed with me. Okay. Because it's, you play that note, then you play the note next to it. You play that note and it sounds something like, oh, and you play the next note and it sounds something like, ha. Uh-huh. You know, you're, it's a, it's a scientific, it's science, man. You're taking, you're masking the high partials and accentuating the fundamental. That's what good strike point and close to the strike point voicing does. Now, I don't have a problem with how you do it. It's how you convince them that. That's, <laughs> that's it. It's just, it's, stuff, it's, so. it's okay. experience. Gotta show it. Experience always replaces belief. We've got a related question I can follow up here with. Um, okay. I'll go ahead and mute you again, Douglas, and raise your hand again if you want to say something. Um, Emile Baudet asked, um, uh, been tuning for two years, doing some regulation repair, repairs, but have been always afraid of doing voicing. Ethan, how did you start? Um, so for me with voicing, I don't consider myself as advanced as some of the people that have, have um have voiced, uh, you know, for the, for our lectures, but I have done some significant voicing projects, and um, you know how I got started. If this helps, is you know I was just this is way back after after college when I was tuning for the place uh, East Coast Piano. It was the owner of the store. He said, "Hey, that the piano, the, the tone of that piano needs to soften up a little bit. Yeah, it's really easy. Here, I'll show you. You know, you just take a needle and you do this and that, and you just." You know, he, he was just kind of, he didn't necessarily know what he was doing, but I think that that little moment helped me realize, okay, this is something I can get into. And I think a lot of people are really kind of uh, afraid to even start. And so from that, from that point forward, I, you know, I found it okay to here and there start needling hammers in situations where there was a harsher tone than necessary. And then in terms of, uh, in terms of like, going back to the question that Douglas asked, like, how do you convince clients to do it? Um, I think that, I think that that's a great comment that David made of giving them a sample, you know, and I think more than picking out your, your clients, you know, who should have it and who shouldn't, Boaz Kirchenbaum in his course that we have on voicing makes a great recommendation that just voice every piano that you work on. It's not about, you know, this, this piano needs it and the other piano doesn't. Um, so you could say uh, it's a spinet. He said he practiced a lot of his voicing on uprights at Steinway, you know? And so it doesn't have to be a specific type of piano to voice it. And you might have some flexibility, just learning some techniques. You can show somebody what you did on a piano. You could say, hey, what do you like of this section? I'm going to do a few notes. You do them in an inconspicuous area, maybe in the low bass or, uh, or uh, you know, sort of the lower mid range or the lower up, upper range, the lower high range. Um, and just say, yeah, here's, here's a few notes. And you, to be honest, especially when it's voicing down and you're needling and you've got a bright old piano anyways, maybe you're doing some filing, it's going to sound better. Um, and so... 100%. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're going to say, go for it. And if it's your early on projects and you just want to get the experience, now they said, go for it. You don't have to charge them an arm and a leg. You can say, hey, you know, I just want to, I want to do this for your piano. I think it's going to sound good. Let's move forward. It's going to be X, Y, Z. Can we do that? Go ahead and do the project. And once they're happy, then, you know, you've got the experience on your belt. And as you move forward, then you can start 
offering higher price points for for voicing. And by the way, voicing is a very high, very valuable thing you can do once you get good at it. I don't think anybody should be afraid to to charge significant amounts for doing voicing because at this point, what I'm seeing in the piano industry, not a lot of people, you know, the percentage of people who know how to voice is very low. And the percentage of people that know know how to voice, um, they deserve to be paid for their expertise that they've, you know, they put in the time and energy to try to get good at it. So that, I would put that in as well. That's right. And just um, just an addition, just an addendum to Doug Gregg. It I, I was thinking about this after you said it. That has never missed. I have never had a fail when I've, you know mass the high parcels of one note and compared it to the note that I haven't touched. It's like, oh, that's, yeah, do that. 100% actually. So yeah, again, don't be afraid, uh, Emily, 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 I can't, uh, Ms. Baudet or Mr. Baudet, uh, don't be afraid you're going to be bad first, not necessarily bad, but you, you don't know what you're doing. So just try, just start, just dive in. More questions, Ethan, we've got just a little bit of time. Left. Yeah. And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, David, but we'll do a, um, I'm going to find a, an impromptu way to, uh, to basically raffle off a, a month membership to piano technicians masterclasses. Once we, once we've uh, finished this episode. So stick around until we're done and uh, we'll do some sort of random number generated uh, way of, uh, of giving that away today. So, so keep on board. Um, Larry Lobelts made some comments. Let's see here. Let me make sure I go back and see if there's anything else. There's quite a few things here. Uh, let's, let's cut in here. Brenda Ming. I've uh, yeah. been looking at, at some of the recorded sessions by subscribing monthly. This is a great resource. Thank you, Larry, for telling me about this. Okay, so this is about PTM. Um, in your earlier days, David, how do you upsell your services? I don't know if we might not have time for that, but let me just go through a few of these questions. We'll see if we want to pick out anything. Um, Kevin Clem, this is incredible value. Thank you for offering this positive viewpoint on piano technology. Upsell regulation by a couple of samples. Pat reinforced that. Larry Lobel had a couple comments. I'm just going to read them out and see if they're valuable to people. He said, the voicing technique that David described seems identical to one he wrote articles about in the PTG Journal, December 2011, January 2012, called Angel Shot Voicing. Those articles describe yeah. how to do it in detail, along with the theory yeah. about how and why it works so well. Not claiming to have invented it, uh, but talked to other technicians who have figured this out on their own as well. Uh, mentioned the articles because it's hard to describe the technique in detail in this forum but you can learn how to do it from the articles. Okay, so that's uh, December 2011 and January 2012, Angel Shot yep. Voicing. And I'll say that Angel Shot Voicing was what, uh, uh, I first took a class on that right around the time that Udo Steingraber showed me something that's very much like Angel Shot Voicing, not exactly, but very much like it. And yeah, I think both of those roads, roads my road and angel shot voicing very close to each other thank you larry very much and your partner too uh, uh, uh but it it it's it's consistent and that's what you need for a voicing protocol it's consistency to know with a high degree of confidence that you can use this technique and change especially the 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 lower volume tone of the piano into something I call the golden tone. Great. Um, I will also just say as a follow-up to that, you know, something that I'm realizing the more and more I'm getting into education, online education, things like this, you know, you see Larry mention an article in, in the 2011, 2012 PTG journal. Um, there's a lot of information out there. And I think oh. that it's becoming more and more clear that the benefits of knowing how and where to get the right information are really what's at play in our modern economy of information. You know, Google made all the information available in the, is making all of the information available in the world, but they're not always doing a great job at finding exactly what you need when you need it. Um, so, 
that's one thing that we're, we're aiming to do here with Piano Tech Radio Hour, with Piano Technicians Masterclasses. It's to be, be a place where you can come and know you're going to get good information right away and you're not going to have to sift through through a lot. We'll try to deliver it, you know, directly to you. And so you only have to go to, you know, a, a handful of good places to get your good information and you can trust it. So, um, yeah. So I, I just I just want to add 30 seconds. Go for it. Actually, 60. And uh, I beg your forbearance and we're going a teeny bit over. Um, number one, David Boyce, it's great to see a face uh, put to the name for that. We've been communicating back and forth low these many years. It's beautiful to see you, brother. Um, and number two, we want to know what you want. This is really, Ethan is doing an incredible job bringing this to you. And I'm so happy to be involved with Ethan and his whole team. We want to know what you want. Please, when you think about, well, I'd like to see this, or I'd like to hear this, or I'd like to da-da-da-da, don't just keep it to yourself. Just send us something, man. A tweet, a text, a this, a that, whatever. There's so many ways to get a hold of us now. And just thank you from the bottom of my heart for being my brothers and sisters in this wacky little domain of acoustic pianos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you cool. next week. Yeah. And I'll stay, on, I'll stay on here for a minute and I'm going to yeah. give away a, a membership to uh, anybody. Yeah. So here's, here's how we're going to do it. <laughs> it's a little bit awkward way to do it, but uh, I think it's going to work just fine. So if you're interested in, in earning a free month me a membership to Piano Technicians Master Classes, I want you to pick a, a, a number between zero and a thousand and type it in the chat. And then what I'm going to do is give a random number generator of a number between zero and a thousand and whoever's closest, they win the free membership. Wow. Uh, How equitable. To... <laughs> How equitable, brother. You might have to um, remind us what your number is, you know, once we oh, finally oh, pick, pick the, uh, the random number, but we'll be able to look back and check to be that you're being honest. So <laughs> make sure you, you're, uh, you're honest about it. So I'll give that a minute. You guys can type in your uh, I, random numbers. I, I truly love this. this don't, is awesome. don't send it privately to me, please. Put it in the, just put it in the public yeah. information. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing some people sending it privately. Let's oh, go next year. Gee, this is awesome. Ed Ray, Jesus. So I'm going to, uh, let's see here, from Donna Bird, 475. Okay. Are we finished? I think, I think, oh, nope. We've got some more still rolling in here. Yeah. Do not vote twice. I will be able to look back. The chat is recorded. <laughs> and there'll be a, there'll be a, somebody in a dark suit at your door within. 10 minutes if you would. <laughs> exactly exactly it's, but you'll be happy to have a visitor <laughs> yeah the, yeah quarantine <laughs> you'll be mask. wearing a mask <laughs> okay all right any more rolling in so i'm going to actually give a countdown here because it's pretty easy to type a number into the chat um hey, uh, ethan will you unmute my video for this last hurrah so yeah sure uh i said ask to start video so you can pop it on whenever you're ready okay Awesome. Okay. So five, four, three, two, one. So nobody else is voting. I will uh, share my screen just to make sure that, that you're clear that this is a, uh, is a nonpartisan event. We're, we're generating a ran random number between zero and 1000. Here we go. Generate eight, zero, six. So if you feel like you're in that general range, maybe like 800 to 810, uh, did anybody have a number between 800 and 810? Let's see here. Tell me if you can, and anybody have a number between 750 and 850? Yeah, Mark has 838. Mark has 838? Yeah. Okay. Does anybody closer to 806 than 838? So 838 minus 806. 806 is 32. Anybody less than 32 away? Speak now or, okay, wait, what do we have? We're, we're saying people have 799 at Rhea. Ooh, ooh, 
Ooh. Okay. All right. So 806. So that's just seven away. Anybody closer than, than seven away? Better than Ed Rhea. Oh, Tim Michaels missed it by just a little. <laughs> okay. Stolnik was close. Your video is much better now. We're getting that, David, as well. So that's good to hear. Wow. Maria Di Baliso, 787. Oh, heartbreak. Oh, heartbreak. <laughs> Okay, cool. I think it's. I think we've got Ed Reed. Is anybody going to dispute Ed's uh, Ed's claim to to the uh, membership? Awesome. Okay, great, Ed. Um, Ed, go ahead and send uh, me an email, uh, or actually, just put your email in the chat here, and I'll I'll follow up with you and make sure you you get set up with with a month of masterclasses. Yeah, congratulations, brother. There's some awesome badass got classes. It. In there. Very cool. All right then. All right. I think that's that's all we need for today. Did you have anything else you wanted to do to wrap up? Just thank everybody again. This yeah. is this is fantastic. And it's only fantastic because you guys are here. Yeah, it's great to see you all. We really appreciate I think Dave, I speak for both Dave and I. We're really privileged to be, you know, be something that's worthy of your attention, you know, and to be able to bring you something of value um that that you feel you want to put some time into so um really appreciate All right. it hasta la vista i'll see right. hopefully most of you next week yep we'll catch you later All right. thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time remember that you can catch us live online every saturday at 2 p.m eastern time that's right Go to pianotechradio.com to register so you can interact live and ask questions of our guests. See you next week.